The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There's six books in this series, and they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. Have Victoria Roberts come in today. I've known Victoria 30 years, but really didn't realize she was an artist until about oh, about six years ago. And I found her artwork in an art show, and I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's fantastic. Where have you been hiding these skills? And it turns out she's just been doing it all along and trained in England. She's got a great history, a great story. She worked with Stephen Stills and hiked, uh, hitchhiked all over the country by herself, down to Mexico, through Europe. You know, really that time frame of free love, and she is an artist, creator, and she loves Native American art too, so you can enjoy this. Victoria Roberts. Victoria Roberts. Welcome, Victoria. Well, thank you, Mark Sublet. Yes, we've known <laughs> each other for a little while. What do you think, 30 years? Uh, cl- well, probably more like 28 yeah, okay. You that's know, if pretty, I want to No, you you're know, right. That's probably about right. Yeah. Is that part of your personality to know, to be very accurate on those things? I think so. Yeah, I think so, I too. think so, yeah. That would explain why you do the art you do. It's very meticulous. Yeah, it's true. I'm, yeah, it's true. I like things just so, and Terry will tell you that. <laughs> Terry Schumeyer, who was also on this program. Yeah. So... Before we put the cart before the horse, the mm-hmm. old saying, um, I'd like to know more about where you come from. I mean, I know you for 28 years in the Indian art business and the art business and, mm-hmm. and now as one of my artists, but I don't really know the backstory and, uh, other than what I've written on your bio. And it's very interesting. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and my, my uh, Dad was is British. He was uh, an animator and artist who um, had met my mom in London. And and when my brother was born, they moved to California, where my mom was from. So and she's American. Your dad's British. Yeah, my mom grew up in South Pasadena. And he's an animator, or was an animator. And he was, and he w- started working for Disney, and then he started a studio of his own. And when would he have started working for Disney? What years? It was in the forty, late forties, and he was he worked on Lady and the Tramp, and I think Peter Pan, maybe. Yeah. You know, I can't. Well, you know, all that kind of young. stuff was just yeah, it was coming out at that time, right? Yeah. So he was yeah. right at the at the at the beginning, and yeah. so did he know Walt? Um, no. No. So that no. never got into the but conversation. He, yeah. He knew some of the top guys, but I don't think Walt was chummy with his animators <laughs> particularly. <laughs> they, they, I remember him saying that there was a thing amongst the animators that when Walt came in, yeah. it was like, man is in the forest. Just <laughs> like in Bambi, oh, you know, it's that's like, funny. yeah, it's like, Beware, man is in the forest. <laughs> well, he was the big cheese, right? Yeah. yeah and everyone would all. like, you know, have to behave themselves. And so when they did animation in the, at that time, they would do cells, right? They'd pay- yes. Individual that- cells were inked and then painted. 
uh-huh. and then the backgrounds were all painted. And then each each uh, movement was captured by a camera. And I, I actually worked for my father when he had his own studio, and I did a lot of cell painting and uh, ended up, you know, sort of producing one of the segments for Sunny and Cher show because my dad left for Europe and just uh. said, here, finish this, you know. Uh, and I, like I had to go some, through the yeah, whole process uh-huh. of, you know, getting all the things shot and then taking it. Once, once it was all painted and shot, I took it into CBS, and CBS was like, Oh well, this character is too black. He he needs to. He's a bad guy. He needs to be have. <laughs> so right. I had to go back repaint the cells. Yes, all of them. <sighs> and so did, was, did he do that because he wanted you to learn, or was it like tough luck, kid? I'm because going. Go ahead. He wanted to go take ha- take a vacation. Yeah. So he really just so said, he just dumped it you. on me, and I and I got an ulcer. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. Did you? That's what I got out of it. <laughs> and how no, old were you at that time? No, it was a good experience. I was probably. 20 maybe 21 yeah so you were young so you grow up in Pasadena Uh and it's just you and your brother no I have four brothers and um, a sister and a stepsister oh wow so that's a big crew and where do you fall in the line of I'm in the middle you're you're a middle child yeah older sister younger sister two older brothers two younger brothers and was art clearly had to be important to your family that's how it was absolutely my dad had us taking art classes at the the what the um museum in Pasadena now that's the I think it's called the Asian Museum Mm -hmm. or Pacific Asian Mm -hmm. Museum or something um it used to be called the Pasadena Art Museum yes and we took classes there and we did you know learned how to do all kinds of art. And was yeah. this like grade school kind of stuff? This was when we were pretty young. Yeah, grade school. Uh-huh. And then yeah. did any of your other brothers or sister, did they end up in the art field? Um, my sister became an artist and she ended up working for Disney uh-huh. uh, as a graphic designer and for the parks. And she and her husband also was there for many, many years. And uh, then... My brother Andy is a web designer, so he's a designer, but he does everything. And he's younger. Digital, yeah. He's like eleven years younger than I. Oh yeah, so that's a that's yeah. a that's a big deal. Yeah, and yeah. computers just came out when he was a kid, and he just spent his life at the at computer store. Yeah, so he's probably fairly successful in that. He is. Yeah. He lives back east, and he's you know. And that's what he does: designs websites. Yeah, he he actually writes now works for um, AARP. <laughs> he designs all their web stuff. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> of course I you don't. To know who that is. <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And so, what was Pasadena like growing up? Pasadena was like a wonderful small town life. Right. You and know? this was uh, very safe and very beautiful. Mid sixties that you you know you're yeah I mean I it, you're my early age, early fifties you know in the sixties and the seventies you know I graduated from high school in seventy one yeah. so. Um, so you were right at that Vietnam age too. Oh yeah. And Nixon and, you know, I got the whole, Yeah, I couldn't, I just really, when I graduated from high school, I just wanted to get out of town, you know, yes, the smog was really bad. I just wanted to get out of the country actually, because I just was so upset with the way things were going. And I thought, um, I'd go visit my family in England, my dad's mother and father I'd never met. And my aunt had moved back over there, even though she lived with us for a while, my dad's sister. And so I, you know, went to England thinking I was going to go for a summer visit. 
and ended up staying there for art college. And so where in England were you? I was in, um, mostly I was in London. Hmm. That's where I went to college, but uh, I would go visit my grandmother in Lancashire. She lived in St. Anne's. Do you like driving on the left side of the road? Yeah, I kind of got used to it. Yeah. You know, you kind of like your brain just flips and yeah. just does it. At least yeah. for me, that's how it worked. It didn't take much to, and everything is, was a stick shift. So yeah. it was like a little bit, you know, it took some getting used to, but it, it wasn't too hard. And then, uh, yeah, and my aunt lived in Gloucestershire, so I visited her, and she took me to all the castles and took me to Wales and took me, you know, Did you start Lake to District. get the accent when you were over there? Did yes. You? I would think that way. People Let's hear made it. Can you do it? People made fun of me when I came back. Can you do I, that English accent? I can, but I'm not going to. Oh, come on. I'm out of practice. Okay. But, um, <laughs> You'll have to do this I for actually me sometime. Pr I, pr I pronounce some words like progress. Uh, you know, I don't yes. say progress. Like To me, it's like, why do you say pro program and you don't say progress? You know, it's like, doesn't make any sense. But And so anyway, you went to art school there. I went to art college. Four years? Um, uh, no, no, I just went for a year. And then I couldn't take it because of the weather. Yeah, I was living in London in a most incredible place in in Hampstead and uh, right on the Hampstead Heath. And you know, I really had a great life there. But the, it was cold and gloomy. It was like cold and gloomy, and they got so depressing. And I was felt like I was always cold. Yeah. So probably because you were. It was an incredible art college. It was. Um, in, on the in the East End, which now is real posh, but back then it was just the Bowery. You know, it was just really. Uh, so I would go from Hampstead, you know, on the train down to the Liverpool station, which was totally a wreck, and and just go down there and go to school. And I learned so much because they made me take a foundation course. So I had to t learn life drawing, still life drawing, painting. Um, uh, printmaking, you know, they want you to get a good right. foundation and see where you your you know your strength lies. And you had been making art as a kid all along too, right? At I had point? been. Yeah. Yes. And what kind of art were you making at that point? Um, I did a lot of drawing, um, mostly. I would say I liked sketching, drawing, and and ink and you know ink pen and ink kind and of. Do you stuff. still do some of that? Um, yes, you I do. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if I've seen any of that. Yeah, I have, we should. You should I have show some some cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. I do like to do portraits. I like, you know, once I learned how to do life drawing, to me that is the, one of the keys to being an artist, to, to really knowing your, your eye-hand coordination because you can't fool anybody. Right. With, and that's the hardest form to, humans are the hardest form to draw. Yeah, I would think so. Period. But yeah. Especially just hands and feet and noses and And you want to just spend all this time on it and they just they're pushing you to like finish the drawing finish the drawing yeah. and you just you you well, they end want to up, make it a muscle i would assume yeah really, they, right? they get you know it's like exactly yeah you're developing a, a the eye hand coordination is really takes a lot of practice so you do that for a year you learn a lot mm-hmm 72 now, and you're 19, I guess. And yeah. you come back to L.A., of course, probably. I came back with a friend of mine from, from London, and she wanted to travel around, and so we hitchhiked all over. and America? Had some incredible, yeah, including Mexico, hitchhiked down. <laughs> Where did you go? Well, we went to visit my friend in San Miguel de Inde, because yeah. she was going to art college down there. And so we thought, well, that'd be cool. Let's go down there. And so we. So two young girls who are like 19. Yeah. Hitchhiking down to Mexico. But get this, we hitchhike, 
were on the, like near the border, near Sonora, I think. And this guy in a van picks us up, and he's an American. And his name is James Metcalf. He's a sculptor, and he has, he has fled. He was a very successful sculptor, and he had fled the art world. I mean, he was like working amongst Dali and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was... Marcel Duchamp, he was just telling us these stories of, they would sign like a paper hanger and call that art, you know. I was disgusted, and so I left, and I was in search of something more primitive and real, and so he found these uh, these artisans in in, uh, copper in the Michoacan Mountains, Mm -hmm. and found that they were, it was a dying art, that nobody, none of the young people were learning it, and so he told us this whole story of how he went down there and he was starting this foundry and getting the ki- kids' interest again. And apparently, he died recently. He was instrumental in turning that whole area around. And so like he stayed down famous there? famous copper area again. Did he stay in Mexico? Yes, he and, lived and there. And that was when he was first going? And that you just was, happened to catch yeah, him on the way he, down? He was just, he had been going back and forth, but he had to come back to the United States to to get his visa, right? you know, so he hadn't gotten his permanent residence yet. And that was James Metcalf? James Metcalf. And so, I've seen him in books. And, and did you keep in touch with him over all these years when you got picked up as a hitchhiker? I did not. Yeah, well, I would have been. We went day, down, no, the, but we told our friends in uh, San Miguel, my friend Robin and, and, and this other gal, Carolyn, we went down there to visit him and to see the foundry. And he took us on the tour and like he let us stay with him and took really <laughs> nice care of us. And he was just a very sweet man. You know, he has a great reputation. So. And how long were you in Mexico? We were just there for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hitchhiked back? Then we hitchhiked back. And then when my friend <laughs> went back to... And then we stayed on the Zuni reservation on the way back because I had a friend who, from high school whose family was there. So we went... That was... Just an eye opener, and that was again like seventy two, seventy three, seventy. Actually, it was seventy two. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how long it were you in, on Zuni? Uh, we were there for only a few days, and then we thought, well, but was we that your be. first kind of uh, yes. exposure to Native American, real Native real, American, real like the the way they were living, yes. and the and the, you know, these. I was like, you know, prefab housing and and all these like they were making jewelry, but they had all these like. It was just, um, there was a problem with the young people that they were banning, like, you know, all these felt tip markers and glue and stuff because the kids were huffing. And it was just kind of, it, it, it was it was eye-opening. I saw how, how, you know, it really wasn't a very happy situation, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, I always thought of so romantically about the right. way the Indians lived. And I saw, right. you know, it just wasn't that... Did that, that turn a screw for you, though, as far as uh, Native American art? Because, you know, that's been a good portion of your life as well. Native and ar- American art had, had been an allure for me for, a, for, I don't know, it just drew me from early. And we had a cabin up in Lake, near Lake Arrowhead mm-hmm. in Sky Forest. And it was like a literally a stone and log cabin that had been made by this, this old mountain man. And we bought it with all the it decorated with navajo blankets Mm. and you know so you've been exposed buffalo head and Mm -hmm. you know tomahawks and just cool stuff in it and i was just like this is my favorite place on earth (laughs) well you know that early 70s especially 72 that was really the craze of 
Native American jewelry and squash blossoms and all that. Were you doing any of that, like buying well, and selling? Well, I was buying it. Well, once, and then I then I ended up going to Colorado, and I ended up working for Stephen Stills, and and I had the musician. Yes. Yeah. And I was I and was you're so twenty. I was twenty. I think I turned twenty one while I was there. No, I was I was no, I wasn't even. I was nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you end up with Stephen Stills? How did that even occur? Huh. Well, that's a long story. That's all right. I got a long time here. Just yeah. Well, we well. Endless amount when I of was tape. in. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. Because this is kind of a key thing. When I was living in London, my boyfriend was best friends with, um, with uh, Pete Townsend. Okay. And so I was hanging out with, you know, Pete Townsend, going to their concerts with with some of those guys, and then I was also. Uh, the faces. My boyfriend would like play football with them in the park on on Sundays, and so we were like hanging out. I was hanging out with all these musicians, and I was really a musician myself, and I really loved that. And so when I came home, and then my friend left, and we was, the traveling stopped. I was sitting there listening to a Stephen Stills record, and I thought I should be hanging out with that guy. You know, so <laughs> I think they call it a groupie, don't they? Well, you know, I really wasn't interested in like going and sleeping with them. Yeah, I was yeah. interested in like hanging out with right. people like that because yeah. I just felt like you like the creative juice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, who wouldn't? And I, I mean, that, and I just thought they're amazing. I went because I went to England. When I came back, my friends were sitting on the same couch, smoking the same joint. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like I thought, this is just not for me. Yeah. You know, I want I want more more from from my life. And so I ended up, I heard Stephen Stills was in Colorado and I was going to this festival called the Rainbow, the Rainbow People or something festival. Uh-huh. And so I went to that and then somebody there said, oh yeah, he lives in Boulder. Stephen Stills lives in Boulder because I was playing a Stephen Stills song. Uh-huh. Um, you were, what did you play? I play the guitar. Yeah. Okay. And do you still play? I do. Oh, good. I have a collection of guitars. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I, so I'm, so I go to Boulder and so I start sleuthing around, seeing like, well, where does he live? You know, let's see if I can find this guy. And I was kind of giving up. I was going, this is stupid. And I was sitting in front of the, the um, telephone company. And I saw, it was after hours, and I saw a guy in there cleaning. I thought, you know what? That's where I could find out where he, where he is. And so I go into the <laughs> phone company, and this guy, I give him this sad story. I, I came to see a friend, and I can't find him, and I need to look. You know, so he right. let me in, and we started looking through. I found Stephen's address, number, but it was, yeah. it was like up on the mountain. It was yeah. like this star root thing, and yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. I ended up hiking up there and finding the house and hitchhiking. Isn't it? Yeah, so That's, I ended up, okay. I ended up, uh, you know, knocking on the door and and this is where the story gets kind of funny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I look inside. Nobody's there. I look inside, and there is the place is a disaster. Yeah. You know, there's Rockstar. there's things growing in the sink. You know, there's dishes piled up. There's you know, like a log stuck in the fire that's sticking out into the living room that's like partially burned. Uh, yeah. And it's like just it the place right. is just disaster. It's a little cabin. It was on the cover of uh, the Stephen Stills' first solo album. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I do He's sitting that. out there in the yeah. snow, I think. Um, anyway, so uh, after a while, I'm waiting and waiting. And I'm just like, you know, I start... I think, God, I should go in there and just clean Clean this house up, you know, for him. And so I ended up going in. Breaking and entering. Yeah, Uh yeah. I go in and I completely 
for it took me like three days just inside the cupboards <laughs> inside the refrigerators scrubbing everything getting everything meticulously clean organizing all his papers you know just huh? completely <laughs> and then boom he walks in with a roadie and um he just goes um hi my name is steven what's your name <laughs> sure, <what> the... <laughs> and i go uh my name is vicky yeah you know I'm sorry, but I, I saw that your house needed cleaning, and I really needed a place to stay. So he said, oh, that's that's cool. Well, I guess, you know, you didn't steal anything, and you look at, you know, he was just, like, amazed yeah, at the I'm house. Sure, he right? was like, you did this? And I go, yeah. And so then he was <laughs> like, oh, well, I have to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to work on this song with my, my roadie, because he knows Spanish, and so he goes, why don't you help me pack? Because yeah. I have to go to L.A. for a concert. So he showed me how he likes his fo clothes folded. and You became his assistant. Yeah, I did. And like when he was leaving, he says, well, I don't, you know, I don't know you from Adam, but, you know, if you were going to steal something or if you were going to, you know. You would have already done it. You would have already done it. So he says, I guess I can trust you. You want to just, you know, watch the house for me. And, Chill. And, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so that was the beginning of that story, and, and then I ended up you stay with getting him? hired by his manager because yeah. he needed a housekeeper. And then, like shortly thereafter, he moved to this big palatial house in Rollinsville, which is over by Netherlands, you know, on the other side above Boulder, mm -hmm. and uh, just like acreage with a lake, and it was really cool. And it's like now I was like taking care of this huge house, for, right? And uh, Cooking for him. I was basically hired to be his mom. Yeah. That's the way it looked And how at old it. was Steven still at that time? 35? No, I think he was, I don't know. I think he's, pro I was like, what, 19? He was probably 29, 28, oh, yeah. 29, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So how long did you stay as the I I ended up <laughs> I ended up getting, like, f finally uh, getting nabbed by his uh, his manager, wanted me to work for him. So I ended up going down to his managers after a while and, I ended up being in that whole thing for about a year, mm -hmm. and then I just, just, it was burnout time. I mean, these guys were doing lots of drugs, coke, and yeah. blah blah blah. Everybody knows. I mean, yeah, and lots of alcohol, and there was it was just a little too crazy. I got sick from trying it because they were just always like pushing, yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing it. Vicky, Vicky. Yeah, and yeah. I was like. You know, finally, I just I went to the doctor, and he said, he, he said, whatever you're doing, you got to stop. You know, like I was getting, you know, just really sick. So, I did. I I stopped, but it it was um, it was an experience, yeah. and I guess I I realized I don't really want to hang out with these people. <laughs> <Seems> <laughs> this is fun, not but... where I want to be, and um, and I just need to be doing something of my own. So, and so you, I went well, back to California. Yeah, and so you took, and did you hike back, hitchhike back there too? No. No, but this time I you actually back. had some money, right? Yeah, I had money. And yeah. this is when, okay, this is how this started. Is like when I was living in Boulder and making, I had like $100 a week clear with all expenses paid. And I had a car that they gave me. And, you know, so yeah. I just was spending my money on Navajo jewelry. And oh. I started buy, collecting jewelry. And I was like, there was a shop in town that was cool. And they had a lot of stuff. And were you buying old stuff or new stuff? Probably old new stuff. stuff. Oh, you were. You knew that right off the bat. That's yeah, interesting. I like the old stuff. Yeah, I've always cool. liked the old yeah. stuff. In in everything. I mean, like the old cabin. The old. I like things with patina and with yeah. you know. So you were putting your money 
but you earned into jewelry for yourself. And at some point you go, I can yeah. maybe buy and sell this stuff too? No. No, you just want, you were collecting. No, I just collected. Yeah. At that point, you know, I was, I didn't even think of it as something I could do for a living. Right. I'm it, sure That not. came later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you go back to California, you go to Pasadena? I went back to, to California and I thought, I'm just going to save up my money. I start working for my dad again and making, you know, And this is when you started animation. working the animation yeah. for him. Yeah, more seriously. And, oh, well, I was going to, I went to back to college. I took, um... You know, more, I took an etching class and some some other art classes and music classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you were still trying to find your voice or what yeah, you wanted to do. Yeah, I was. And and then uh, I ended up thinking, you know, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to, I'm going to find my nerve, my utopia. Mm-hmm. My utopia will be somewhere else, you know, like maybe in Spain or Portugal or somewhere, you know, like cool. And so I, I set out saving enough money to get myself back over to Europe. And I spent almost a year traveling around by myself. In Europe. Taking trains, but mostly hitchhiking. Yeah. Everywhere. And jumping out of cars when I had to and things like that. You mean when you were afraid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, it was... You can't just say that and then not tell uh, no, me what I, that I literally is. had two guys pick me up near Ma- Madrid and... Um, they started straying off, off the path and I, as they were going around a corner, I could hear them talking and I understood more Spanish than they thought. Yeah. And then I started acting crazy and getting them all disconcerted. And that's, that was one of my ploys and grabbed my stuff. And just when they were going around a corner, I jumped out of the car while I was moving. (laughs) Did you get hurt? (laughs) No. Yeah. You just rolled and kept going. They were so shocked. They kind of, I think they just kind of let me go. This girl's crazy. We better leave this one alone. Yeah. That happened a few times, but more than once. Uh-huh. Uh, things like that. I I ran into a lot of problems with with you know, being a single girl and with with men. But I I always landed on my feet. I'm grateful to say. That yeah. With all my stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> I, in retrospect, you might want to. I had a strength yeah. in myself that I just I wasn't gonna lay down and and let things happen. Yeah. So, and so you did that for a year. And you went to Madrid, well, Portugal, where else? I went down to Morocco. Oh, wow. And literally, the police put me on a bus back to the border to Ceuta so I would take the, the ferry back over to Spain because they said, a woman, a single woman cannot uh, travel by herself in this country. Right. I mean, they couldn't force me legally, but they, they strongly advised it, and they literally put me on the, physically put me on the bus. Yeah. Probably a good move, actually. Yeah, yeah. Probably wise. Yeah. But I, I was naive, definitely, but I was so fascinated by Morocco. Did you, have you ever gone back? No, and I really want to. <laughs> I, that's on my list, definitely. I, I found it a very fascinating country. But. And so when you came back from doing your walkabout, mm-hmm. what, did you go back to California again? I did. I came back to and California. And now you're like 23, 24? Uh, it was 74. I was 21, actually. I was 74 when I came back. So I was left, I was in there from 73 to 74. So. Okay. Um, you know, I worked in London for a while and then sort of just traveled around. And, and so when you came back, what were you, what was the plan then? Or did you have one? <laughs> <laughs> My I guess is to, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't have a plan. I wanted to just, I just, I met these people in Holland that, and I was traveling with them for a while and they mm-hmm. were scavengers. They would kind of would make these houseboats into these beautiful places with with driftwood and you know i just kind of thought yeah i just want to 
you know, live on the land. And, you know, I just wanted to go. I don't know. I was crazy. I just, yeah. I just really was kind of lost at that point. I ended up within a year of me being back, I ended up getting married to the first, you know, Decent person guy. I met who was like, had, had like, he was a musician and we, we were singing and writing songs together and we ended up getting married and, you know, having a couple of kids. Yeah. So. And how long did that last? Um, seven years. Yeah, long enough. Yeah. And yeah. did, was he a good musician? Did he? Yeah, he was really talented singer, and he played keyboard and guitar and bass. Yeah, yeah. And did you see maybe main, that was he, a track was for a, you at that point? Yeah, and I thought, well, I could be a musician, and we we were we became staff songwriters for a publishing company that was a pretty famous publishing company, and. Uh, you know, we thought we had this bright career, and Barry White, mm -hmm. actually, who had also been signed by that company, um, he offered us a record deal because he was starting a label. Barry and we were, was Barry yes, White. Yeah. So, so <laughs> he he and his and his wife Goldine invited us over for lunch in their house in Encino, uh -huh. and um, we were sitting there. Goldine, by the way, had like fingernails that were about I don't know. 10 inches long, yeah, you know, yeah, and I really was like long. looking at them and I was like, Goldine, how do you like dial the phone? I, I really wanted to ask her something else. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Like how do how you do use you toilet yourself? paper? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, she was like, well, I either use a utensil. I have my people do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, literally that's the way she was saying it. But I was Well, the problem is when you have those things like that, you actually lose the muscle tone in your fingers. Yeah. And they atrophy. I just was so. like, why would you handicap yourself like that? You but just, that was her thing. That was her thing. And uh, you know, that was her yeah. thing. So then and then they gave us this contract. He gave us this contract and we took it to um a lawyer and the lawyer was had been a lawyer for Bob Dylan and like really no like we got a good reference to right. a guy who knew his stuff and so he revised the the contract and we gave it back to Barry. He well what he told us was, um, the the lawyer he said, this sets the industry back twenty years. Ooh, so it's like yeah five percent of twenty percent or something yeah. like really really, yeah, really like regressive. abysmal yeah. and he goes if you want to be able to look at yourself in the mirror yeah. you will be sorry if you if you sign this so we ended up um you know revising it and giving it back and then we get this message we were out one day and we come back and there's a message from barry white himself and mm -hmm. he goes well i looked at the i looked at the revisions he goes i guess you don't want to do business with me so and we that, were, that, that was that. That was that. Never heard from him again. Yeah. So are you, do you ever think, what if I had to sign that? I know Wayne, my <laughs> ex-husband does. Yeah. does. He, he, does he, he said it to me. He does. Yeah. He goes, oh, I wish we, had, you know, it's one of my great regrets. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. what would have happened? But then I don't remember ever hearing anything that really happened with his label, but maybe we would have. Who knows? But he wanted contra yeah. creative control of everything. He wanted us to give him all of our publishing from everything that we had ever, you know, we had to get it back from the publishing company. And he literally, he would have. Yeah, he would have owned We would have made, he would have owned us. You know, you probably learned more about taking responsibility for your own actions and what you're yeah. doing that helped you later on in life in a lot of other ways than you would have gotten out of that deal. Yeah. You know, it was 
I'm sure you made the right move. Yeah. Your lawyer was right. He was giving you good advice. He, sure. I think he was. Yeah. I, I feel like we made probably the right just, decision. You might have been just really, really bitter if it did really well and you got nothing. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. who knows? Clearly who knows? it's not something you dwell on, but it sounds like your ex-husband might still have a little. Yeah. I think, he, I think he, he wishes we had, had bit the bullet. Gone and ahead. So did that end that kind of being turned down and things not going as you anticipated that kind of help with the demise of where you were headed as a couple? Um, it, eventually, yeah. He started, you know, he kind of gave up and he, he started working for Warehouse Records and he became an executive for them. And uh, we had both worked at the record stores and stuff, but then he ended up in, in the executive. Right, so uh, the dream kind of ended and yeah, reality took place. Yeah. And you had two kids, right? And we ended up with two, yeah, having two kids, which, you know, can never, I mean, that was just the best part ever, Yeah, you know, yeah. having them. And... So that was great, but um, our relationship kind of deteriorated, and yeah. I was going through some stuff that was coming up from my childhood, some you know, issues, abuse issues, and stuff that yeah. were haunting me, which I thought I could just ignore, but yeah. they were they so there were was not some stuff. Ignorable. There was some family dy- dynamics that were mm-hmm. not conducive to good mental health yeah. your, as you grew up. Yeah. Well, for me, it was yeah. I was it was stuff I needed to either face or have it be haunting me and you know causing me problems the rest of my life yeah so So you dealt with that i started i started dealing with it yeah not completely but you know later i got more complete with my healing more healed at this point oh yeah yeah you've gotten through that i feel like totally i'm i've i've i figured it out i figured out what needed to be you know looked at and figured out and Faced it all. Yeah, and that so takes face a while, the pain. right? It's, it's very painful. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do, but it's really important if you have some things that are really, you know, are your ghosts. You yeah. have to... Especially from childhood, I think. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Those, those don't go away easily. Right. So, so um, anyway, we, we ended up splitting up and, uh, you know, I... S- it took a while, but I was... And I was trying to... I was doing some artwork, but, you know lay out and paste up and you know like graphic design work and that's and how like you that. started making your money at that point was doing graphic stuff yeah i was trying i was trying to um yeah i was trying to make a living whatever way i could and, you know i i worked at i actually worked at a uh tv cable company called on tv yeah which was, i remember that you remember that yeah of course yeah i worked for them for a while and what did you do there um i actually was just a a rep a rep a customer service representative I, uh, you know, but you're still making art. I was still making art. And were you still buying Native American stuff, jewelry and things? Uh, No, I I wasn't. I was pretty much mom, you know, for my kids. And, you know, I was sharing the responsibilities. I mean, he had the kids some of the time. I had them a lot of the time, but we, we did, you know, we did a shared parenting. And so that was, that took up a lot of my space, but then, um, yeah, so. And at some point, you get into meeting with Kim Martindale. Yeah, I ended up get, getting getting remarried, like, you know, several years later and working. He, this was, I was managing an art gallery. That's what I ended up doing, actually. That was, I thought, I want to start a business. I saw the book that Mary Emerling did. Yes. Called uh, American Country Home. Or yeah, something. she used no, to be my or, neighbor in Santa Fe did she? for many years, yeah. 
American Country. I can't remember yeah, what it was she called. Did a couple of them, but yeah. it was like had Al Louvan's collection in it, uh-huh. and and it had all this this cool Western stuff. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, see, there's now. I then I started realizing there's a business in that. Yes, you know, I saw the the jewelry and stuff. And this I was, was kind of eighties time frame. This is in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's when I thought, okay, well, I need to get some business experience. So, and if I'm gonna start a gallery or something, so I ended up uh, managing an art gallery in L.A., and um, that was that's where I met my um, second husband. And, and what was the art gallery's name? Delmano Gallery. Is it still in business? No, both of them have passed away. Yeah, and what kind of art was the that? Owners, um, it was. Um, jewelry, um, wood turn, uh, more turned arts and crafts wood. kind of stuff. Yeah, more like it's a fine craft gallery. Yes, yeah. We, you know, weavings, all kinds of like fine crafts, which Including is... Including native stuff? Um, no native stuff. Yeah. No, that wasn't their thing. It was, they were in Brentwood and... Oh, that's nice place. You know, we <laughs> O.J. Simpson used to come in, Michelle Fiver. I mean, it was like, you know... Yeah, it was a who's pipe. who. Yeah. And then I, they wanted me to help them open the gallery in Pasadena that they wanted to open in Old Town. It was like the, one of the very first galleries that opened in Old Town when they first did the research. And what year would have this been? This was in 80, I want to say like 86, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 87. Yeah, probably So they're expanding. They're expanding. And that's they, and, doing well. And I, was, I helped set up the entire gallery and it, like got all the artists to give work for that gallery and stuff. And that's where I met um, Dave's Weifel, which was my um, second husband. And he was a ceramicist. And he did woodworking. And so as I got to know him and our you know, relationship developed, I was going up to visit him in, up near Santa Barbara and... Um, started helping him out, and eventually I left the gallery and married him, and I was doing the artwork with him. And then I started doing assemblage art. So when you were working with him, were you helping promote his art and you were doing your own? No, I was actually helping him do his art. I was painting. I was doing all the finishing work. I didn't like working with the clay that much, but I would do all the, the painting, the airbrush, and finish like this detail is all ceramic work. stuff mm-hmm. and he and you started making your assemblage and then i started making assemblage and i started taking i took ron, ron robertson is an assemblage artist up there who yeah. was, i was really admired his work and i found out that he was teaching at santa barbara city college so i went and took classes from him wow. and uh so that's when he started giving me these ideas about how to you know take just found objects and use them but i we had gone to new york and i had seen like jasper johns and rochenberg and and neville uh nevelson yeah louise, louise nevelson. nevelson yeah and just got really and how about the jazzed. boxes how about i didn't see J- joseph cornell i never yeah. saw joseph yeah, cornell's so stuff until after i started doing work and people started telling me that your stuff looks like oh you must have been inspired by yeah. joseph cornell and i said Who's that? Yeah, I think that's the first thing I said to you when yeah. I saw your son. Oh, Cornell Boxes. So then people started giving me books on him, yeah. and I started reading up, and I read his biography, and I was like, wow, this guy was a little scary, but, you know, I get it. Yeah. I see where the connection is, and that's how I, when I first started, that's, I was doing all things in boxes, and it was kind of scenes like mm-hmm. how he was doing. But it was a natural, just organic just kind of thing started. that you go, I, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. Yeah. 
And how did, and did you, so did you start selling your art at that time? And this was 86? No, I actually. Or were you just making it more for you? I was making it. And then um, uh, we ended up, and then I, we had, I got pregnant and I was, you know, we were making, we were trying to keep up with the orders of the cactus. And then we moved up to the mountains and then everything kind of fell apart because we didn't have our studio built by the winter and then we were trying to make things and anything everything fell kind of fell apart with that business and um so and that had to be hard on the marriage and that's when when he decided to go back to school and get his credential for teaching Mm -hmm. that's when i started my business and it was like yeah it was like 90 90 so so about four years after this you said that you were making a next kind of switch in 1990 yeah, I was I was kids, starting right? to buy things and sell them at little, and then I bought an estate. Yeah, uh-huh. I bought an estate um, that was all Western stuff, and I started going to the flea market to um, to Marin City Flea Market, uh-huh. and I started selling there. So this was so you were living up in San Francisco. We were area. living well. We moved up to Sacramento so he could go to school to get his credential. Right. And we were living in his sister's back house just so he could do do that. Right. And you had three kids? And I had... No, I just had... Actually, my, my oldest, Jamie, came up with us, and he was living with us. But Ben was still living with his dad. Mm. And I had Ryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I, I, I started doing these really elaborate displays at the flea market and I bet you did some, could, Danny Neal it was the first person who oh came yeah. up to me he goes you know you should be doing the real shows and yeah. I go what's the real shows yeah so he started telling me about um high noon it was like high noons like it was like in their first year yeah, when, that I, when I met him just a lot of the shows were really early kinda, 90s yeah, yeah Moran was going on and yeah those kind of so things. he so I ended up going and doing the um yeah the the high noon show mm-hmm. and I shared a booth with him and you know, it was like, I met Doug Billmeyer. Yeah. And he, you know, it was like, he came to my booth every time I set up. And Doug works that. for Ralph Lauren. And Doug, and, yeah, Doug and, is with Ralph Lauren. Yeah. And has been forever yeah. and mm-hmm. wonderful guy. And, and he's, they've been buying from me ever since. And whether it was me making stuff from old parts for them or whether it was them buying the stuff that I had, like the old boots and the, you know, Cool so you jewelry. were buying whatever you felt was interesting and learning about the material. And learning about, that's when I met Mark Winter at High Noon and and uh, I, he, he, I, he became my mentor. Mm. I mean, he, was, I, he said, anytime you want to call me, nice. send me pictures, just send me a picture and I'll tell you what it is and like, we'll talk right. about it. You know, and I learned a lot and he told, told me what books to read and, you know, the weavings were, were a big part of my thing and I was really into the Mexican weavings too, the saltillos and mm-hmm. the early Mexican vaquero and... And that's, I, I, I bet he loved stuff. that. So he's like, yeah, yeah I'll yeah. teach her. So, She'll find me a nice classic Satya's. Yeah, thought. right. He probably did. Yeah, no, I, I actually just, but he yeah. definitely taught me a lot. And then from Sacramento, my business was like rolling by the time he, my, my husband said he, he, you know, he got his credential, but he didn't really want to teach. So <laughs> I, he decided, after all. Right. Um, we ended up moving to Pagosa Springs. Oh, yeah. Near Mark, Mark and there. Linda. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was that and the they, reason? Uh, yeah. Oh, that was the cool. reason. I just I thought that, that would be a good place to, yeah. to start out. You know? It is a beautiful place, too. And it was so beautiful. And David never lived anywhere but California. And he was just like fell in love 
with Colorado. He fell in love with Pagosa. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hey, what's not to love? Yeah. So how long did you stay in Pagosa Springs? We were there a couple of years. Yeah, and so. then I realized it was really hard to live there and like... You know, I'd have to drive everywhere. I was yeah. gone all the time. I and was you like, couldn't this get material. There's probably not a lot of material in that little area. You had there to go wasn't. Other I thought there would be, but there wasn't. No. And so Mark I was ended- there. Mark Winters cleaned everything out. Yeah, years that's ago. right. That's right. So I ended up going down, um, and we moved to um, Santa Fe. Oh, and, and so that was like 92, something like that? Uh, that was uh, 90, probably 93 yeah. or 4. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So, and then. Um, I didn't know you'd been there that late, that early. Mm-hmm. And how long did you stay in Santa Fe for that trip? Um, a few years. I was going to say because we 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 know you're from. We already. I'm already learning. Every two to four years, you're going to make a move. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's what my son Ryland is like. Poor guy. He just he never stayed in one place. Like and and now he hasn't been able to settle down since yeah. he graduated from university. You yeah. know, it's like uh-huh. it'll so, happen one day. But you know, he's. He cursed it, but now he kind of thinks it's yeah. a blessing. Yeah. So you were in Santa Fe, and that's a, so in '94. That was a big time. There was a lot of stuff going stuff on. Stuff going on, and I became good friends with uh, like Morningstar and and all the galleries. And I would go, and Doug would have give me lists for things that they needed for their stores, uh, the Ralph Lauren stores, right. the Double RL stores. And I would just go and collect Search. stuff and send it out to them, and then they'd you know rent stuff or buy stuff or right. whatever and it was just great it so was you were booming. learning a was, lot business was booming yeah. and terry was uh, started terry her uh, terry also... Shermeyer started cowboys and indians yeah. in, in albuquerque and uh yeah. yeah i remember when she started it yeah i helped her build some of those you know display things and you know help them out a bit and and when did you start working with Kim Martindale? Because that's, I think, how I really first met you is associated I, with As soon those as I shows. started doing those shows, those early 90s um, uh, shows, I was started doing, I did all the circuit. I came to Santa Fe and then I went to Marin. I mean, I, I did them all and I was helping him because I'm just, and that's how I met Terry. It's like I would say, hey, you know, I'm in town. I don't want to, you know, can I help out? Right. You and had a good organizational skills. Yeah, you knew so the material I, and you're a nice person. No, I was helping to paint walls and yeah, build that's walls part of the and deal. like all that stuff, that's put wallpaper on and that kind of stuff. I mean, I was like, it, you know, whatever needed to be done, mm-hmm. you just tell me or I would do paperwork or yeah. I would help check people in. And so I earned my part of my booth that way. So it would help me, you know, financially. Right. So, yeah, I was doing... I was doing the shows since the early, yeah, I did like '92, I think. I did Kim's and Mar- uh, Kim Martindale's and Moran in '89. That was the first time I did that show. Oh, okay. I was still a doctor. Yeah. I had to run back to get back to the naval, hot to the naval base, or actually the Marine Corps at that time, Marine base, you know. And Kim was like, "Well, you can't leave." And I'm like, "I gotta leave, brother." And he's <laughs> like, "Well, you can't take your booth apart before five o'clock." I go, "I got to." Didn't know that, but I've got to catch a plane and. Yeah. You know, I have to be on duty, you know, like in the emergency room. <laughs> so uh, this is the only flight. <laughs> it's like, well, don't do that one again. Dr. Mark. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I've never left a booth early since then. I learned yeah. my lesson. Yeah, okay. I wait. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. Right, Lisa. I and understand it. Yeah. That's. Yeah. that's... So, uh, you know, I, he, he told me don't do it. And yeah. I said, well, we're going to so, do yeah, it this time. That's when I was doing, I was doing all the shows, like the, the Marin show, the Santa Fe shows, which back then it was the 
they had a Western show. They yes. had an ethnographic, a Western show, right. and an Indian show. Yeah. And I did all of them. And I did them. Those the, were Don Bennett at that range. time. It was Don Bennett owned it at that time. And, and Kim kind of really helped him do the Kim whole show. Kim was kind of doing all the... He was doing the show, actually, yeah. probably. Yeah. And then it got sold, and then... So and then, well, he was... Yeah, he was supposed to sell he, it to Kim. And but, it didn't, you know, but he went into his own, so he does his own. A trail there. And <laughs> <laughs> that was not pretty, but yeah. So, but yeah, I kept I kept doing it. And, and you're still doing these, right? And I'm still doing these shows, yeah. And do you enjoy it Shermaine. as much as you did? Um, yeah, well, it's, I do enjoy it. I really enjoy finding the stuff and I enjoy selling it and seeing the joy that people get from, like I did, from buying the stuff. And so we, you know. And you do the LA Art Show with Martindale too, which is a different, kind of different ball of wax, Yeah, I see, I started when, once uh, I started getting into, okay, when I got divorced in 98 and I left Santa Fe, I, um, you know, moved back to L.A., and I had to regroup with Ryland, and he was, you know, the only one at home at that point. And I, you know, I just thought, I got to reinvent myself. Things are, you know, I can't, I can't, I just, you know. So I ended up working for Kim at the L.A. Art Show, Mm -hmm. and then eventually managing that and eventually managing the Marin Show for him. And uh, so that kind of, and then (laughs) gradually I found my way back into um, doing my own art again and doing doing the the buying and selling of the stuff I love. Yeah, so. and when did so when did you start really going? Okay, I should be selling my own art because I remember when I saw it for the first time in a booth mm-hmm. at the Santa Fe Object yeah. Show. I was like, whoa! I didn't know. I know you, but I didn't know you. Yeah, and I was really impressed with what you were, you know, I could see it, you know, that yeah. you had extreme talent. Thank you. And that you had been hiding, it seemed like, but maybe not so much. Well, I just was um, incubating. Yeah, well, that happens. <laughs> it, it, it was just kind of, and, and absorbing lots of things, like mm-hmm. in being at the art, art shows and seeing what was going on there and like just feeling what was going on inside myself and where the direction that I was pulled in. And I, it was about 10 years ago. And I, I was living in Marina Del Rey and running things for Kim. And I just went, you know what? I just, I, I can't do that. I can't give my life up. You know, I have to start. Creative. And I just made, drew a line in the sand. I said, I'm going to start, start doing my own art again. Mm. And then once I started building these things, and it was started out with these little boxes and, and cool things, I was like, I, you know, all the stuff I've been collecting, all these items that it's all for a reason. These were like the, to go in these boxes. And uh, so then I, then I realized, oh, well, I can't keep accumulating art. I have to start. So I thought, okay, the next thing is I'm going to get a show. So I started, you know, just, I just put that out there into the universe. And, and suddenly I found out a friend of mine was doing, putting on a show and it was um, assemblage. And mm. I said, can I get in on that show? And even though they kind of had the show set with three people, they let me come in. Mm. And so that was my first show in L.A. It was in um, the Moore York Gallery, which can't, doesn't exist anymore because they, it was just this beautiful old big theater. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Why, that, what happened to them, do you know? Well, they, it wasn't, I guess they weren't supposed to actually have events in that building. They <laughs> yeah. were, it was a, their studio, and then right. they would open up to do these events, right. and then they were, like, weren't, 
and they they had already been around and around with legalities of you know taking this theater and completely gutting it. Yeah. So they were not anyway. So that that was amazing. That was a good experience. I sold pieces. And that was like ten years ago. Uh, that was well. That was uh, nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because I started making stuff ten years ago, but I didn't get a show until for for at least a year, and then. Uh, my brother opened a gallery up in Ukiah and he wanted to do a big assemblage show. So he did this West Coast, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. assemblage show. And so then I, then I just started getting invited to shows. People started seeing me out there. I did, you know, just whatever came up. And then Kim saw my work and he commissioned a piece and he, he invited me to do the Objects of Art show. Yep. in Santa Fe and was that when I first that's when I first saw that's it, when right? you first saw me yeah and I know what I said when I saw your work I said this is too cheap <laughs> <laughs> yeah huh? you did yeah you did and I it said was. well you know I've got to be organically growing here I can't just like boom <laughs> yeah. here she comes with you know big uh, expensive art you know yeah. just let it kind of work its way trickle up. up yeah but yeah. it was too cheap <laughs> yeah so I well, just bought everything the whole so then show then you came and said to me yeah. Are you, you know, yeah, do you have representation? Yeah, I, want represent I want to represent you. you. Yeah, no, so that's exactly right. That was awesome. Yeah, no, that, that was I know, a great moment. I know a, an artist when I see it. I know when something is really unique and different, and you know, I was like, wow, it's really shocking when you know, you think you know somebody for a long time. I've known you for a long time, twenty-eight mm-hmm. years. I thought thirty. You said twenty-eight, but and then you see a different side of them that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. at all, in a in a context, you go. How could I miss that? Well, yeah. I'm not going to miss it if I see it. And so, and I know you, which makes it really wonderful as a dealer if you already know what the person is like. Yeah. Because it is a relationship that you have to have with these individuals as artists. And, right. And if you want it to be a, a win-win for everybody, and if you know you're going to get along with them anyway, I yeah. know I'm going to get along if with you. If you thought I was some like shady dealer, you were like, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to deal with yes, this person. Yes, same thing on yeah. your side, too. Sure. Yes. And I, mean, I knew you were, I just always loved, you know what you were doing, and you'd always we'd have always had a good respectful yeah. relationship. Oh, very so that's much good. so. Yeah. Yeah. So then I said, "Well, I'm going to show you work," and I have, and you just brought us some great pieces that are fantastic. And so, how is that going? That part of your so this is your your new chapter. I mean, this is you've been doing it ten years as an artist mm-hmm. and, and making progress. I think steady progress. It mm-hmm. seems like. How do you see that playing out in the next ten years? Let's say. Um, well, I, you know, I try not to, you know, project too much. I just, I'm like, I'm really, I'm, I'm into like letting things grow naturally. And I don't know what, I'm not the kind of person who's going to go out there and trying to hustle my way into this or that. I just, you know, I feel like things unfold the way they should, if they're going to be solid. Mm -hmm. And that's just how, that's just how I do, do. You know, that's just how I work. <laughs> yeah. So you're so, going to let it unfold. I'm letting it unfold. And, and you've shown at the art show in, in LA. It, the, last the last three, three years, years yeah. I've been at the LA art show. And like the first year I went, Kim said, how many pieces do you have? I need to fill a, a big space. And I said, well, I think I have 13 or 14. So I ended up bringing 13 pieces and selling like five of them yeah. at the show. And that's a big major show. That, with lots that's of a important major international artists. show. Yeah, so that artists. was very encouraging. And then last year I sold some pieces, and this year I didn't sell anything, but I got a lot of people right. wanting to me to 
to do. And we had a show, which we yeah. did well with, and then that show I went did. On. I had my first solo show with, with, with oh, wow. your gallery. Oh, that wow. was really fantastic. And then you had that show travel to uh, Santa Fe in the summer, and it did well as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do really well at the Santa Fe show. So what I would tell my listeners out there, that you better hop on this train because it's still it's still it's, just taking off it's still chugging along it's fun to see that and moving and, forward yeah, yeah it is moving forward and you have all the right you know basic needs filled i mean you have the you have you have it all yeah you know it's i think some of that is just getting exposure and letting people see i mean if your stuff was in a new york gallery Mm-hmm. Um, hanging with you know other individuals of you know high elk, they'd be like, oh, these should be twenty thousand, thirty thousand. So. Yeah. Well, and I and I was at in the L.A. Art Show. I was I was showing alongside Picasso, which yeah, was kind I'm of, sure. Kind yeah, of there's wonderful. Of, yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's a big major show. Yeah. And that's on your you know, in the same booth though. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh wow, which was really exciting. That is very yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and so. did the Picasso though? No, no, yeah. but you know, uh, that year, last year, I did. Yeah, so. yeah, very good. Yeah. So, your outlook is just keep making artwork. I but, have to. And, yeah, it's exactly. kind of well, just you know, I really need to. It's uh, my voice, and this is what I was looking for: my voice through music, and I never felt like I was really that good. But I really just wanted to do it because I loved it. But with the art, I just feel like. Uh, you know, I don't care. I just, it's just like, this is it for me. This is what I need to do. Yeah. Comes from the gut. It does. Absolutely. And I feel like it, the pieces, the the objects, everything, they, they, once I get into my studio and they start talking to me and, you know, it just, there's like this road I go down with them. and And you don't really have a preconceived idea exactly how you're going to make a piece? Only a few times has that happened where I had a dream one time that I was making this one piece with all these boxes. Mm-hmm. And I woke up that morning and I went into my studio and I started making that piece. And it took me, you know, a week to put it all together, but it was already formulated wow. yeah. in my head from a dream, you know, and that's that, that's, um, you know, I've had a few times where I get a vision of mm-hmm. something. I- yeah, I, and I then totally I, I make it, that. but very most of the time it starts with a few pieces nuggets that that just like Speak I go I, I I I need to make something with this, and then I go in there and I start playing around with stuff, and then I, you know, I can start one way and it just completely takes another direction. You know, yeah, it's really. And how do you know when your piece is finished? Um, you know, you just look at it and you go, okay, this is this is it. I'm happy with this. Yeah. Yeah. See, to me, that's a fully developed artist when they can do that, mm-hmm. when they can know the end point. This is where it was going. Yep. Right here. Yeah. That's very hard for a lot of artists, especially beginning artists, I think, is they don't know when they finished. Mm-hmm. And they they just don't know. And sometimes they have to have people tell them, but a lot of times they think it's because they haven't made enough art. Yeah. Yeah. So let the piece speak to you. And it sounds yeah. like, Victoria Roberts, you're, you have found your voice. Your creative voice, and you can uh, so sure you can I. see Victoria's work in my gallery, but you can also see her at different shows that she does, and she also does the Native American material too. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see all her beautiful jewelry, all very nice. I tried to buy her one of her bracelets, but she refused <laughs> to even let me. And she took it off, but that was about as far as it went. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much for coming and uh, thanks for having me. Mark. Yeah, no, you're fantastic. I love you as an artist and as a person. You're a terrific human being. Thank you, Art Dealer Diaries, Victoria thanks. Roberts. All right, cool story. I know, <laughs> very cool stories.